Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler. And this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. So this season, each episode, we are deep diving into a chapter from the book, Refine and Grow, Lessons Learned on Navigating the Business World, coming out June 30th. And today, we are going to deep dive on the chapter titled, The Be Buttoned Up. So in some of the previous episodes, when I was talking about wanting to find the learning and everything, I said that I started to proactively reach out, particularly those who I admired and respected in the workplace, and ask them what the best advice was that they received in their career so far and why. So this be buttoned up. When I asked you, Shanae, that was your response to the best advice. And what's really interesting is that you had said in a previous episode that you were purposely giving me open-ended feedback and guidance to help me find my way through navigating a new role in a new company. And I asked you, I said, well, what exactly does that mean? And you said, you'll figure it out. And I did. And it was huge for me. Otherwise, it wouldn't be its own chapter. But I really want to hear from you. you Where did that advice come from? How did you use it? Why was it so impactful for you in your career? Yeah, it's interesting. So this is one of those pieces of advice that I have found throughout my career has evolved and changed depending on the stage of my career. So for me, it's been a really great one too. And when I got this advice, I remember the room I was sitting in. I remember the situation. It was just one of those, I've got this nugget to share with you and here it is, situations. And it was the same thing. When it was delivered to me, no context, no, this is what it means for me. It was just like, you're at the start of your career, here it is. So I was like, fantastic. So I took the nugget and like you, I was like, be buttoned up. I'm not even sure what to do with that. And so I kind of tucked it away in the back of my head. But then I started realizing and started thinking about this in different situations, what that meant. And in the beginning for me, it really was about oversharing. It was about, you know, making sure that the amount of information that I was sharing was appropriate for the situation and the audience about personal things or about how it was feeling or about emotions, whatever it was that day. And so it became a really good check for me in situations to say, okay, is this a place where I should be sharing emotions or is this place where it's not going to be appropriate at all? Or is the audience not an appropriate place for me to say, this is what I'm feeling right now? Right. And as you started to use it more, did you come to a clearer understanding or make your own definition around what be buttoned up is and how did you define it? Yeah. So for me, I know that being honest about things and being open about things builds trust with colleagues, clients, leadership, you name it, right? It's a great way to build trust is to be open and honest. But I also know that if you overshare, it has the opposite effect. And so it really became about boundaries and understanding what boundaries existed in what situation. So let's say, Lindsay, you and I were on a project together. Something happened and I was really worried about the direction that it was going. And I was afraid that, you know, maybe we made some wrong decisions. I might be able to say to you, Lindsay, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this direction. And then we could have a discussion about what that meant. If I was with a client, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm worried about the direction of this and what it's going to do to the project. I may say, let's talk about what's going well. Let's talk about what's not going well. Let's talk about where we have concerns. And then what we should be thinking about going forward. And so even though the conversation is the same, those boundaries of how much emotion do you bring into it? 
how much do you discuss how you're feeling about things? Those boundaries are different depending on the audience. Yeah, I like that you're touching on know your audience. Since you had said, well, you'll figure this out, I pondered it a lot because I already had such great wisdom that I had gained from you and applied and they worked well. Because it was your favorite advice, I knew that it was important and I did need to figure it out. And what I heard initially when you said it was be professional. That was how I interpreted be buttoned up. And so I also looked at my audiences, but it was the piece of advice that made me understand the concept of building a brand. And it ended up being the foundation of my brand because I wanted to be seen as buttoned up professional, having the right boundaries. To me, that was the foundation of what I needed. And then the other pieces about my brand could be more individualized. And I know, Sinead, before when I had had a conversation you weren't a huge fan of the branding concept. For me, it's huge now. I mean, they teach it in business classes and talk about it at every company, but this is 15 years ago when it was a brand new concept to me. I was just learning it for the first time. And what I thought about was, okay, so if I am a certain brand of spaghetti at the grocery store, and so is every other management consultant, what are my ingredients that make me different? And what it did for me was help me to depersonalize criticism that I received on my quote unquote brand. I thought, oh, they're just trying to make the spaghetti sauce better. It's not about me personally. They're just helping me build my brand. But I'm interested to hear from you what you think. Are there certain pitfalls that come to mind for you with the branding? Or how do you frame it? Your concern with it about was the depersonalization from a connection standpoint. Yeah, I'm a big fan of having a personal brand. I think it's a great idea. As long as you are at a point where you understand your own brand and aren't trying to build a personal brand around someone else's. In the beginning, when people started talking about personal brands, it felt like they were kind of taking a box off of a shelf and trying to mold themselves. And it felt disingenuous. You know, learning about yourself, figuring out who you are, and then really sticking to like you were describing, that personal brand, I think is fantastic. Me trying to implement your brand of myself is not. Right. Right. Justin, when I worked with you, you really had a great reputation. And I know that branding, how you represented yourself was always front of mind for you. What are your thoughts on the topic of building a brand? What advice do you give? And on broader than that, being buttoned up. Yeah, it's funny. I have interesting reactions sometimes to the term branding now because I start to align it with platform and it just hates a strong word. I strongly dislike the fact that folks are looking to build a platform for themselves. It's all about me, what I want and the name I want. And I think that can be associated with brand, but I don't think it was intended to. I'm careful of the two. I never want to build a platform for myself. Even doing this project with you, for me, it's less about building a platform for Lindsay or for Justin or for Shanae. And it's more about taking some of the goodness that we've received in our careers and passing it on and not making the false assumption that other people have access to the same fantastic mentors and guides that we've had throughout our career. And that's a fundamental difference between building a platform versus giving back. And yes, there's value 
that you and I receive in doing this work. There's value that other people receive from this work, but it's not primarily about building a platform for ourselves, making our name great, so to speak. So I guess that's my cautionary tale in the age of platforms where it seems to become more about the individual than it is about the collective good. I start to cringe a little bit, but I think brand is really, what are you known for? And I think it's even beyond reputation because you can have an excellent reputation and kind of be a dink. In reality, I think for me, it's being a, to use the term, a fully integrated human being and that I show up at work with my colleagues internally, the same way I show up to my clients, the same way I show up to my wife and my kids. Not that there aren't different modes of being, right? Like I don't lead a discussion with my wife by saying, okay, the objectives of today's conversation are, and I've got to time box this conversation to the next 25 minutes. Like that would be bad. Having said that, it's that I'm showing up. I'm not putting on a different mask. The, the Justin you kind of get in front of the client, then hopefully most of the time is calm, cool, and collected. It's the same guy that shows up to my 11-year-old when he's throwing a fit. And you're not going to always be that consistent self across all of those different situations, but being as consistent as possible is what I think of when I think of being fully integrated. And so for me, brand is, yes, I want to have a good reputation. Obviously, I don't want a bad reputation. And I want the brand that I have to be one that is consistent with what I hope to be my values. So someone who's dependable, not perfect, but someone who's generally dependable, someone who has integrity, who's honest, thoughtful, and frankly, human. So that part of my brand is also being okay with folks knowing my development areas where I have to improve on. And that's a big piece for me. So I don't want my brand purely to be butterflies and rainbows, but I want my brand to be consistent with who I am and consistent with an individual who's self-aware and who continues to grow. The other aspect of being buttoned up that I highlight in this chapter is advice that I got from both of you frequently, which is to own it, own your words, own your actions. And that's what was coming up for me as you were talking about who you wanted to be and how you wanted to show up. You know, one of the questions I ask in almost every interview is, tell me your top three development areas. Because I have at least three. It depends upon who you talk to. My wife might tell you five or six, maybe more. But kind of what are your top three development areas? And give me context. And talk to me about how you're mitigating those development areas or looking to improve those development areas. And I do that because I want someone who's generally self-aware. I don't think we fully see ourselves. We need other people in our lives to help us to see ourselves, both the good and the bad. But I want people to at least be pursuing growth and improvement and becoming the person they were kind of meant to be, if you will. I know that sounds like fluffy language, but I want to see that they're growing and they're dynamic. And I think part of that is being aware of where you need to grow and improve. And it changes throughout your career. But I think also it's owning when you screwed up, when you failed. We're much more accepting of failure, at least philosophically these days or seeing failure is not disastrous, but part of the learning journey. But I think sometimes we just screw up because we're being selfish, we're being thoughtless, or we didn't put in the work that we needed to put in. And I had a situation at our common employer years ago with a colleague that I think most of us know pretty well. And I mean, frankly, I was kind of an ass about a situation because I felt strongly about it. I ended up kind of being a bit of a jerk. I don't think that was my intention, I was so focused on why I was right. I think when you're focused on why you're right, why your side of the argument should prevail, you can become a bit of a jerk. And I was, and I chose to apologize. 
no one was twisting my arm to apologize. That's part of it as well. It's proactively knowing where your development areas are, but it's also knowing you're not perfect. Sometimes a worst part of you is going to come out in these situations. And hopefully you're proactively identifying that and starting to mitigate that. But there are times where you just show up and incur a flat out ass and you need to own it and you need to apologize for it. And for me, it's not making excuses. It's not justifying. That's not an apology. That's not owning it. To me saying, well, I was really tired, so I did this and I did that, or I had a fight with my wife, or my car broke down. Those are all mitigating issues that certainly can set the conditions for you not to show up as your best self. But at the end of the day, you have the opportunity to choose how you're going to respond. I firmly believe that. Regardless of what's happening around me, and if I choose to respond poorly, then I need to own it and apologize for it and figure out how I'm going to identify those trigger signals next time so that I don't do the same thing. Yeah. I love the call out of falling into the trap of just wanting to be right, to be heard. It's a common pitfall and a great call out for how to take a step back and see if that's what the problem is in your mission to find a solution. Sinead, what would you add? I know own it was your mantra for a while. Yeah. My brain immediately went to technical mistakes. And if I make a technical mistake or a mishap or whatever it is, that's something I always try to own as best as I can. Even if I've discovered the mistake before other people to call it out because you can start finding a solution. I've made big mistakes. I've made small mistakes, but definitely owning it so that you can get to solving the problem that it may create has been very important for me in my career. And during those, you know, meet and greets that we do, I often have a discussion about how do we address these things personally? So if I have a new manager, how do I bring this to you? How do you want to hear about things that maybe didn't go as planned? And that's helpful, but you don't always have that information about people. And so the important thing is, you know, making sure that you're owning those things and, you know, starting to mitigate as soon as you can. Yeah. And I think contrary to popular belief, owning up to your failures or even being the one to uncover them and bring them to the table is something that's great for your reputation and gaining respect from colleagues and being seen as somebody who truly has what's best for the organization in mind. And sometimes a mistake is your fault and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're just lacking information. The absence of the information, you know, you make a decision that maybe wasn't the best decision and that's okay. It's okay to say, hey, I just learned this new thing and now I know this was a mistake. That's all for today's episode. To order your copy of the book, Refine and Grow, Lessons Learned on Navigating the Business World and access additional resources, head out to our website at refineandgrow.com. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.